Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. everybody and welcome to another episode of Females on Fire. I'm really excited about this episode today because we have Taylor from Sourced Co, which is a stock photography company, and she's going to be talking with us about content creation. So Taylor, thank you so much for being here today. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And why don't we just start with you telling us about yourself and your story and just let us know how you got where you are and how Source Code got started. Yeah, my story is, um, it is not like climbing up the typical ladder or, you know, the corporate ladder that everyone talks about. Um, I actually read, I think it was Cheryl Sandberg said this in her book that Professionally, things are more like a jungle gym and less like a ladder. And so I think that my story very much falls into the jungle gym type category as opposed to the straight and narrow. It's one of those things where even though I was someone that grew up knowing exactly what they wanted to do and like did all of the things that I needed to to get there, it still didn't work out that way. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advocate for everyone to just let go a little bit and, you know, embrace the jungle gym of their lives. <laughs> but so I originally wanted to be a college professor. And oh, wow. so, yeah, so I went to school and got my undergrad degree in psychology. And then I went on to grad school and got another degree in sociology. And I was incredibly gung-ho about spending my life in the classroom. <laughs> And unfortunately, the world decided that that wasn't going to be the case. And so I, when I was graduating with my master's, it was the, um, the depth of the economic, you know, downfall. And I ended up just applying for jobs that there were people who were much better qualified for the positions. And I, that was my competition. So it took a while for me to kind of accept the fact that I wasn't going to be a teacher in the traditional sense. And I found ways to be an educator and in other spaces. And so I went on to run an after school program for the YMCA for about four years. And that was all sorts of fun because I was wrangling 100 middle school kids on a daily basis. Oh my gosh. So, yep. I mean, if anyone wants to test their patience and their ability <laughs> to multitask, I would suggest working with 100 middle school kids every day of your life. 
definitely. <laughs> but I, it's it's something that I look back on and with extreme fondness. I learned so much about who I am as a person and how I could deal with things. And you know, when you work in social services, you usually are underfunded, right? But you're being asked to provide a high level of service. Mm-hmm. And so even though I don't think most people would think of running an after school program as a marketing position. For me, that was the first time that I ever had to market and sell something because I needed to make sure that the kids in the, at the school knew that it was an option and get the parents and the faculty to trust the program and the curriculum. And so looking back, that actually was the first time in my life where I started working in marketing. And, you know, there came a point where it was time for me to move on. And so I made a very quick little foray into the traditional corporate world Mm -hmm. and very quickly (laughs) realized that that was not the right box for me because it's an actual box, right? (laughs) Uh, I think probably, you know, I think you probably have figured out that you don't fit in the corporate box. And I think most of your listeners and community probably fall in that same category where we're doing what we're doing because we couldn't find that in the traditional career paths that we maybe thought we were going to follow as younger, younger people. But absolutely. So, yeah, so I got out of the corporate world. Um, I quit my job with nothing lined up which is kind of crazy. Um, But my husband and I had a lot of conversations about me taking that type of risk. And um, I, I always say that I am someone who had the luxury of making that decision. And, you know, leaving a, a good paying job without having the next thing lined up, I don't think that that's a decision that a lot of people, even if they really want to make it, can make. So the the social scientist in me is like, you need to always admit what your privileges are in life. And that's one of my privileges. So I ended up just taking some unpaid internships because I just felt like I needed to do something for me. Mm-hmm. And I got connected with this amazing local businesswoman who actually also in her prior life was a te- she was an art teacher and her company is Race Case. And I a friend told me to follow her on Instagram because she thought I thought she would be cool. And I did. And a few weeks later she posted that she was looking for an intern and I was like, um, I'll be your intern. I know I'm like way overqualified to be doing these things but me pick me and she did and um I mean I worked with her for about six months and it was amazing it was my first experience working with a small business and again kind of similarly to working in social services small businesses have a lot of things to do with minimal resources right So um, it was just a different space for me to put those skills that I had learned working in nonprofit to work for a small business. And 
eventually she, one of her friends, the point of this is that I'm actually explaining how I got into the wedding industry. Right. <laughs> kind of a, of there is a point to this, everyone. I want you to know that I'm not just actually rambling. Um, so eventually one of her dear friends just said, you know, I, I need some help. And this person didn't really know what they needed help with, but she said, I need some help. And Julie was gracious enough to say, well, Taylor's been amazing. Um, like, do you want me to connect you? So I got connected with a woman named Tam Ashworth and her business is Isseri Flower Studio. And she is one of the most well-connected wedding professionals, I think. I mean, definitely in Southern California, I would go as far to say as one of the most well-connected people in the U.S. And so that's how I got connected to the wedding industry was just by this weird spider web of, you know, network connections. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got put in touch with someone who really opened the door for me in the wedding space. Um, that person, Tam is the person that connected me to all of my first clients when I was starting tailored media and designs. Um, which is my marketing and creative consultancy. She's also the person that connected me to Christina Farrow at Isle Planner. And, you know, working at Isle Planner is the workspace where I had the idea for Sourced. Right. So, you know, it's when you have a, an opportunity to step back and look at those connections and that jungle gym of how you got to where you ended up. It's really kind of crazy to know that, you know, starting to, you know, like quitting my corporate job and starting to work, you know, for a handbag company was going to somehow get me into the stock photography business. Right. <laughs> like who would have ever thought that that's how this would have played out. So, yeah, so I ended up having the idea for Source Co. because in my work at Isle Planner, as um, I was previously the marketing director there, and now my position is editor in chief. I my job is I feel like to stalk every wedding professional on the internet. <laughs> so I mean, quite literally, I spend so much time looking at the wedding planning community and the just like the wedding industry in general. And getting to know, you know, their pain points as business owners and also just looking at all of the amazing things that they're doing because my job is to tell their stories and collaborate with them on content. And so in that process of spending ridiculous amounts of time on the internet, I started seeing stock photos, the same stock photos pop up on people's websites. On people's Instagram feeds. And I also, because of the amount of content that I publish on Isle Planner, also had this personal pain point of like, oh my God, I have to find another photo today and I don't know where I'm going to find it. Uh, because small, you know, startup business with limited resources, I didn't, I wasn't lucky enough to have a budget to buy stock photos when I needed them. So, um, so the combination of those two things is what led me to the idea that, or that led me to 
that that moment where I was like, I need to I need to actually see if someone is creating stock photography specifically for wedding professionals. And so I did some research and there are a couple very small like boutique online like Etsy shops and on a few um, like creative markets and things like that online. A few people who had small collections of images that were the wedding aesthetic, but no one was doing it on any sort of scale. And so I kind of sat on the idea for a little bit because I wanted to, you know, keep doing the research, keep thinking this through. And then eventually I was having a work day with two of, um, who are two women who are now two of my three business partners. We used to just, you know, even though we weren't actually working together, we would just place our bodies around a, t- a common table and work together for the day because we just liked being around each other. And eventually I, I mean, I remember where we were, we were eating a brownie from, from this place that we <laughs> liked to, I mean, this infamous brownie. We had falafel for lunch. We all shared this delicious brownie in the afternoon. And I told them about my idea to create stock photography for wedding professionals. And they were like, that doesn't exist already because it kind of seems like a almost a no-brainer I was like no it doesn't not on any sort of scale and so they kind of like started I distracted them from their work which was my bad (laughs) but I mean I got them really excited about this and so then they you know were looking online and they couldn't find anything and no joke a few weeks later we had our first team call for quote stock photography project. And that was on July 25th of 2017. And then we launched the business on May 31st of 2018. So I'm really like overly excited about this new business. Mm -hmm. Ironically, it's the first time that I've had to market something that is mine. (laughs) So that's (laughs) always an interesting thing. Like I've always marketed other people's businesses. So it feels very different because, you know, you know what it feels like to like build your own thing, right? And the type of pride and um, fear, like it's like this simultaneous, I love this, but this is also the scariest thing I've ever done in my life type situation. Definitely. So, yeah, so that is where we're at. We're, you know, a little more than two months past our launch and I am very proud to say that we're just getting started. That's so great. I love that story too, because I just love that you literally looked out and saw a need in an industry and said, Hey, I can do that. I'm good at that. And that's literally how you made your business. And I think those are the best businesses and the most successful businesses is when it was born out of a real need for something. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the beautiful thing about myself and my business partners, their names are Jen, Cassie, and Christy. Um, we are all very different people and they're all also wedding professionals. Mm-hmm. Christy, um, her, her wedding planning business is Tulaloon. 
And Jen, her wedding photography business is Jen Wojcik Photography. And Kathy has Peanut Press Designs. And so the four of us together, it's the creative, the strategy, and the implementation that, like, it kind of makes magic. Because, right. yeah, because, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm the person that wants to spam the internet with strong imagery because when I work with clients or, you know, on projects, in order to make noise on the internet, right, when you're making announcements, when even when you're just posting, posting daily on social media, that need is there. Right. And unfortunately, in the wedding industry, you know, it can be really hard to get photos from photographers. But so even when you do get images from the photographers, you know, their responsibility on a wedding day is to capture the wedding day for the couple. Mm -hmm. It's not to capture photos that you need for your portfolio or to market your business. Right. And so, you know, while you may end up with a gallery full of the most beautiful photos from, you know, one of your couple's weddings, I mean, there's plenty of times where you go through the whole thing. You're like, well, I don't want to put copy across my bride's face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I actually don't have any images that I could use for announcements or things like that. So um, yeah, so the, the business really did come out of a personal pain point. Um, but when it comes to starting businesses in general, I don't think that you have to do something that's totally new. I think you have to improve upon something or just do it a little bit differently. So we've decided to take stock photography and do it for a very, well, I don't think the wedding industry is niche because it's like a $300 billion industry. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of people think that the wedding industry is very niche and that's fine. I'll own it. I will own that niche <laughs> without hesitation. Um, but yeah, not only is it niche, like we're doing things specifically in a way that we know that the pros in the wedding industry need. So like creating never before seen like ahead of the trend type imagery that has the white space already in the shot. So you can just like easily drop your text in or those detail shots that you need to just you know, we very often say that our photos are for those moments you have something to say, but nothing to share. Um, so we're really just looking to do things differently in the stock photography space than they've been done in the past. I love that. That's so awesome. And you're killing it too. So you're doing a, a really great job of that. Thank you. I mean, you, I'm, we're like two days away from our next or I guess a little more than two, but on Saturday, we're launching our next collection. And it is, when I look at it, it's a, it is such a game changer for us <laughs> because um, little known secret, we've been shooting all of our images in Jen's garage, oh <laughs> like gosh. a four by four foot. I mean, her husband is a videographer, so they've actually set up their garage as a studio. But yeah, so Jen's husband, um, also uses the space, but it's, it's a tight space. And so what we did for our first five collections was confined to like a four by four foot space. Oh my gosh. And um, we shot the next two collections in a proper studio. Mm -hmm. And 
they are just, I mean, I'm su- I know I'm super biased because it's, you know, a project that I'm obviously very close to, but um, I think it's going to rock some, rock some socks off people. That's so awesome. So obviously, you know, running a stock photography company, you, you create a lot of content all the time. So for our listeners who don't really know what content creation means, but they see it all the time, can you just explain that term for them? Yeah. So content is really any word, like any copy, which means text and words um, or visuals so photos or graphics that you are creating in order to build your brand or market your business. And not all content has to be salesy. Um, I mean, your social media posting counts as content if you're doing it on behalf of your business, your blogs, your Instagram stories, anything that you're really putting out there um, with the intention of building brand awareness, building your brand, you know, actually, uh, getting people to learn about your services and click through and, and purchase is content. But so it's not just like words and pictures, it's words and pictures that have purpose. Right. That's a great description. Um, that really breaks it down. So that's awesome. And you recently wrote a blog for me, actually, a guest blog talking about three tips that can speed up the content creation process. So can you go a Mm -hmm. little more into what your content creation process looks like, especially as far as marketing your business and just how people can apply that to their business? Yeah. So just to give you guys a little bit of um, insight as to why I'm someone that Haley is, you know, bringing in to talk about content um, I just want to kind of overview how much content I produce on a weekly basis <laughs> to <laughs> legitimize, you know, why I'm being brought in for this. Um, for the aisle planner content needs, we publish three articles that are focused, that are talking specifically to couples who are planning their weddings. We publish two inspiration stories, which are, you know, your traditional galleries of real weddings or style shoots. And I also publish two articles that are focused on our professional community every week. So Monday through Friday, there are seven pieces of content going out just on the blog. And then obviously the social media and, you know, Pinterest and and distribution stems out from there. With SourceCo, because it's a new business and content doesn't just like fall out of the sky and I'm ramping things up over there. Um, we're kind of on pace for publishing our own blogs um, every other week, but then also trying to pitch content for publication on other people's domains, like um, Haley's blog, every other week. So we're we're working toward four uh, blog articles or just PR articles a month there. And then I have other clients who um, I also work with Heather and Lindsay from LVL Academy. And, you know, we're kind of on track for blogging once a week, but then there's a lot of PR stuff. And then we're doing Instagram TV and webinars and all sorts of stuff. So on a monthly basis, I apologize that I'm part of the problem when it comes to content saturation. Um, 
like, hello, my name is Taylor and I produce too much content. <laughs> but I, um, I mean, but all of the content that I do create is purposeful. It's not just, you know, it's not just to put it, you know, to post something for the day. So um, that's how, or that's, that's why I'm being asked to talk about content. Um, so when it comes to speeding up your own content creation, and I just want to preface all of this with for your average business, small business, or, you know, whether it's wedding or general creative, I mean, if you can blog two to four times a month, that's amazing. Like, you know, don't, I think that there's a lot of pressure to just create mountains of stuff. Um, but content is a tool in your toolbox and you still have to actually run your business and fulfill your deliverables to clients to have a business to market in the end. So, um, the content is a, you should be doing this, but it's not a, you must be doing this at the same pace as everyone else. Um, so when it comes to, um, step one, it's making a plan. And I like to say that doing things on the fly is not a strategy um, because I think that that's the approach that most people make. They like sit down and go, okay, what am I going to post on social media today? Or, okay, I'm just going to sit down to a blank word document and write a blog post about something. Um, and that's really not the most efficient way to go about it. So I definitely always recommend writing out a calendar and the way that I do it, um, for, I unfortunately have diff, three different um, project management platforms that I house stuff in. As I just, you couldn't see it, but I like bowed my my head down in in shame. Um, but again, I work with different companies, and so um, you know they all have their own systems, and so I'm the one that adapts to their systems. Um, but regardless of what platform it's on. Um, I utilize the calendar or some sort of checklist to write down. Um, I usually have a section that's like working titles is what I call it. So, or you could just call it title ideas, blog ideas. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll just go in and throw in a bunch of random titles that I could riff off of in the future. After I've got that list of ideas, then I start going through and actually putting them onto a calendar with a due date. Right. Cause if it doesn't have a due, I mean, even if it's a self-inflicted deadline, most people need a deadline. So, um, you know, in the end, if you need to push things around, that's totally fine, but give it a published date and backdate your responsibilities from there. So that's like step one. If you want bonus points, for creating your plan. I think um, pairing it with any sort of SEO or marketing campaigns is like, that's the second tier. Like the first tier is just like blog, right? Be active on your, on your website. Um, the second tier is, you know, when you have a little bit of, of the luxury to, to breathe and to plan this stuff out, make sure that all of these pieces of content are SEO optimized and are in line with your marketing and your PR and just like your, um, your client calendar. Mm -hmm. So once you have done that, there is a good pro tip 
in that blog post about creating content categories. And so, and that just, for my brain, it helps me kind of batch a certain type of task. So, for example, if, I mean, even on your blog, Haley, you have different categories. So you have business resources, you have lifestyle, you have personal and travel. So when you're sitting down and planning out what the titles you're going to write are, is you know that you have these three, like these three buckets that you need to fill. Right. So it creates some structure around it. So I think that that's um, a really great thing that a lot of people don't actually take the time to do, even though it's relatively simple, right? Like just come up with a couple categories. Um, now, in terms of like working to speed things up, um, I think I've already said this in this interview is, you know, like content is a tool in your toolbox. Um, but within, you also need to have a toolbox for your content. Um, there's lots of <laughs> layers to all of this. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's layers to everything about being, that's related to about being a business owner. So, um, I'm just a very realistic person. And I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. So, um, so within that toolbox for content specifically, um, number one, I would find a copywriter that you can lean on every once in a while. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've had to do this where I've tasked myself with writing something and then I'm like, oh, God, I don't actually have the time to do that because business things come up or client needs come up, but it's still a priority. And if I can't write it, then I want to have a trusted copywriter who knows my voice to lean on right. every once in a while. So that's a huge, yeah, I think that that's something that people, you know, yes, it takes, it means you have to invest some money in your content, but for the right um, for the right time and right need, a copywriter is like the best money you'll ever spend. And I would say, I mean, the copywriter that I work with on average, it's about a hundred dollars for like a 500 word article. Um, but you know, there are tons of copywriters. If you want a, a recommendation, I will definitely connect you with Jillian Griffith. Shout out. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> But one of the other tools that I think is great to have um, is just a consultant to help you strategize your blog. Because if you are not someone who's well-versed in marketing or SEO, or even you can probably leverage a business consultant for this, is just making sure that if you don't have the time or the expertise to come up with a true content strategy that you have someone that you can hire by the hour or whatever that, you know, uh, relationship looks like that you can pull in and have them set you up for success by helping you to build that foundation. Right. And the last thing that I think is an important tool is not only like, I think this is not in the blog post, but I think that, um, you know, investing a little bit of time and money to be able to shoot some of your own imagery is really important. Like even if it's just iPhones are so the cameras on the things are so amazing at this point that like if you can set up a good flat lay or, you know, if you have a corner, of you know, your office or whatever that's good for some shots, 
learning how to use your camera is imperative. Um, but for those times where you, it's a shot that you need that you're just like seeing in your head and you know you can't set it up or it doesn't live in your portfolio, having a go-to stock photography site um, is also a great tool to have in your toolbox. Absolutely. Um, but also, like to speed things up, I know a couple people who use virtual assistants to help them schedule stuff. And whether that's like using a virtual assistant to help you with the content management piece of, okay, you know, you've done the writing and you know what image you want paired with it, but now you need someone to set it up in your Squarespace or WordPress or whatever blog platform you use. You know, you can utilize someone like that. Um, you can also leverage virtual assistants to help you scheduling out your content distribution. Mm -hmm. So um, there are lots of things that you can arm yourself with to help speed things up when you're in a pinch, but also just like feel a little bit more comfortable because you know you have these resources available. Right. Um, and then the last thing is you're like, okay, okay, like tell me how do I actually make it faster? <laughs> like. Um, I think that it's important to, I mean, making content creation faster for me is all about the writing. Do you right. agree? Like Definitely. that's what takes, that's what takes the most time. I think it's what freaks people out the most. Absolutely. Um, so I read, well, I've learned a lot from working with a copywriter. So even if you know, you're hiring those services, you can learn through osmosis type thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, because it's been, I've been out of grad school for quite a long time, and I don't, sometimes I need a grammar update. Um, but aside from learning through osmosis, I actually read this great book called Everybody Writes by Anne Handley. And um, one of the first things she talked about in the book was something that I never did, and I think it might be because I'm like a perfectionist, <laughs> is I always, like whenever I wrote, even in, you know, all the way through grad school, and basically up until I read this book, I always sat down and like, I would sit there, and if it, if I didn't come up with the perfect sentence, like I wasn't, I was like, well, I have writer's block, like can't move on. You know, like I right. thought that I had to write my final draft right out the gate. Mm -hmm. And then I read this book and I was like, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to write the final draft the second I uh, start putting pen to paper. So the book talks about the ugly first draft. And I think that that is just something that we all kind of need to remind ourselves of is it's okay to have like a weird looking collection of words and phrases and half written paragraphs on the page mm -hmm. um, to start with. So that's one thing. That's one way to help make it go faster is just to like relieve yourself of that pressure to be perfect right out the gate. Um, but I always start with outlines. And if you tie this back to my, like my content planning, a lot of times when I'm actually filling in the calendar, I will, um, under the title, I will just put bullet points of what I want the, you know, the paragraph headings to be. Or if my mind is like really on fire that day, 
then I'll go through and, you know, jot through a couple extra points that will get me going when I actually sit down to write it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I definitely have found that when I have an outline, even if it's simple, it, it definitely makes the rest of it flow out faster. So that's something that I think people need to get in the practice of doing is like, I mean, I think we all did this when we were in elementary school with write outlines. So we just all need to get back to that. Um, yeah. And then the next thing that I think is developing formulas. I know this sounds like, why are we talking about math? <laughs> but we're not actually talking about math. Um, there are like, there are uh, phrases of speech or patterns that you can leverage mm-hmm. that help make the writing process faster. And I think I use formulas the most in caption writing for social media. Not so much in um, like articles, but actually when it comes to writing, if you're writing a, an intro paragraph for, um, you know, for all of the wedding professionals out there, if you're writing an introductory paragraph about a wedding gallery that you're gonna be blogging, um, you know, you can come up with a, a generic formula or sense like this is what the first sentence is going to be like this is the second sentence so um you know I talk about the venue here I introduce the style here and then I you know that that um but when it comes to social media captions I very often will write things in threes so when I'm coming up with lists it's you know, three similar but different things included in that list um, because of the repetition. It, people like reading that, um, you know, using alliteration or just finding the words and phrases that you feel are very much your brand voice and leveraging that more often. Um, those are the types of formulas that I think can help speed up the content creation process a little bit more. Um, but yeah, and that's. That's a lot of tips. <laughs> um, right. But right. I mean, I mean, when I when people approach me to work with them, specifically when it comes to content, it's people get are so overwhelmed by it, mm-hmm. and they really, you know, all most of my clients have come to me because they're like, I need to be not only pointed in the right direction, but then. I need someone to hold me accountable. Right. So, um, and I think, you know, in your work as a virtual assistant, I think that that's probably a similar type of, um, you know, reason why people are reaching out. It's like, look, I just, maybe they can get started and they need, you know, the accountability or someone to help them actually see it through, but it's all tied together. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that is, um, I mean, I could talk about content forever because <laughs> I create so much of it. Yeah, but I mean, it's really great. Queen for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, if you find a groove and it's something that you kind of latch onto as a like, hey, this is something that I really enjoy doing to market my business and build my brand. Um, there's so much that you can do, and it can have a tremendous impact on your business if you're doing it strategically. Um, you know, I think that everyone should start creating content um, just to get into the routine of creating. 
but once you have, once you've gotten that wheel turning, um, I really think that you have to be strategic about it. Otherwise you are just like creating work, you know, you're just actually spamming the internet then as opposed to like doing something that's going to benefit you and your business. So like this whole conversation, I think is the starting point or like the, the springboard into conversations about the importance of SEO and just bigger picture marketing strategy and how that fits in with like PR and you know, all the business things. <laughs> Definitely. Totally agree. So since we're talking about creating content and obviously a lot of the content you're currently producing with your new business is stock photography. Can you just sort of briefly touch on how stock photography can be beneficial to a business owner and maybe like some of the different ways that they can use that? I know you kind of, you've talked about blogs and social media, but can you just sort of briefly dive into that a little further? Yeah. So stock photography, you know, people I think have been afraid of using it in the past because usually you could pick a stock photo out of a lineup. <laughs> um, but so that's why we're creating stuff that, you know, can, that fits beside your portfolio. Like even the strongest wedding portfolios, that's our goal is that we don't want you to be able to pick, you know, it out in that side by side comparison. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when it comes to how you can leverage it, obviously social media posts and your blog, but, um, you know, kind of using images and we actually create graphics as well, just different patterns Mm -hmm. that people can use to judge up their Instagram stories to give them a little bit more depth. Um, People have actually been using our images in mood boards that they're putting together for client work, which I think is amazing because, you know, we're producing stuff that they've never seen before. And we, we usually um, do because we're creatives and like, it makes our hearts happy. We kind of go ham on like texture. Mm -hmm. Um, So people have been using it that way. They're using them on their websites. Um, I mean, and then I actually just collaborated on a big project with someone and we created um, a 60 page document. And so I used some of our graphics in that document, but you know, you don't, I don't think everyone is creating 60 page documents, but the documents you are creating are things like, you know, your proposals and your quotes and your brochures and your pricing guides that you're sending out to your clients. And so stock photos can work into those spaces as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I know I, I love stock photography. So, and I've checked out, you know, the stuff from source co and I love how it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't look like what you think of when you think of stock photography. So yeah, it's awesome. It, it, the fact that you're doing that and it can stand up next to a portfolio, it makes it different. It makes it stick out in the market that it's in. I yeah. Think. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned this before that w- the white space mm-hmm. in our photos, whenever Jen and Christy and Cassie like kind of finish up what makes their creative hearts happy, I come in and Jen always knows like, okay, tell me where you want the white space. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I'm the one 
that I'm like, okay, well, when it comes to marketing and advertising, I need a spot for my words. Right. So Absolutely. then like our, so our own creative process is me coming back in and saying like, I'd love this shot, but with, you know, like uh, landscape oriented with a lot of white space, you know, just all the different variations of that. Cause that's an, that's another way that we can speed things up is, you know, not everyone, I think most people don't have um, graphic design skills. Right. And so nowadays um, there are really great programs like utilizing something like Canva. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can just pop our stock images in there and then you already have the white space without having to like create it, right. like, you know, by Photoshopping the image. So that's another way that, you know, leveraging photos that are meant for marketing can be a huge time saver. Yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. Definitely a great tip. So I have a quick lightning round for you. And this is just some questions that I get curious about that sometimes I've been asked in the past. And so it just makes me interested to see how people will answer. So, all right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? I make coffee. Yes. <laughs> and then I unfortunately get straight to work. But yeah. I'm a morning person. So, like, that's just, that's my jam. Those are my productive hours. So, I make coffee and I'm starting to work even before I've had the opportunity to pour it into my mug. I love that. Bless you. I am not a morning person and I try so hard. (laughs) And so I'm like working on that, but I am the person that gets everything done at two in the morning. So. No, 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 no. I, I fall asleep at like 9 PM. I'm like a pumpkin. I I actually turn into a pumpkin when it's, (laughs) when it's dark outside. (laughs) You and my husband would get along because he 100% like he's out by nine o'clock. <laughs> yep. Yep. Early bedtime for the win. <laughs> so what is your go-to snack during the work day? I, you, I had to think about this one. Um, I usually will go for like a piece of cheese. I love cheese. The stinkier <laughs> the better. Um, but I also usually have fruit around the house. Um, but if I had to pick like a snack food that I never allow myself to buy, cause I would just like crush the box is <laughs> Cheez-Its. I love Cheez-Its. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. All right. What is one item that you cannot live without? Okay. So I have two answers to this. Okay. Um, profession- professionally, I could not live without my planner. Like I have all of these task lists. I mean, I mentioned the three different project management platforms that I have going on. Um, But my paper planner is where I write like what I actually need to do that day. Mm -hmm. So if I lost that, like that's basically where I do all of like my back, my tasks that need to be backed out to like hit a deadline. Mm -hmm. So I would, I think I would freak out more if I lost my planner than if I lost my phone. It's a hundred percent me. Like I'm, yeah. I say that all the time. I'm like, I can live with losing my phone. If I lose my planner, I don't even exist. Yeah. Like I'm screwed. Like, ah, so yep. yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then personally, I, and this is like, this is a really hard one. Cause I was like, do I pick a thing 
when I think of like the one thing personally I can't live without, but I'm going to get all like deep on you. I really can't live without my health, you know, like being a healthy person mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's something that I put a decent amount of work into, like, you know, I make sure that I'm active, um, you know, a certain amount during the week. And I am probably because I studied psychology, I'm a huge proponent of going to therapy, even if nothing is going wrong. Right. So like, I have my monthly therapy appointments. That I just, I'm like, I tell people I'm on the monthly maintenance plan, you know, just like keeping it real to make sure that, yeah. So I think, you know, first, like my, my mental and physical health is really the, I mean, obviously it's the foundation of me being like a happy individual. It's the foundation of me being um, like being a good spouse to my husband and, you know, all those things. So I think that that's, that's how I'm going to answer that question. I love it. I love that you got so real. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. And last question, what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? So I have two quotes. The first one, I think really speaks to who I am as a, a person and like what I do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And it's always aim high, work hard, and care deeply about what you believe in. And that is something that Hillary Rodden Clinton said in the past. Mm -hmm. But I also, just me as a person, um, I am pretty hardcore feminist. And I, my friends very often describe me as a principled person where like I can't not share my opinions about, right. like, I mean, I'm super passionate about women. Like that is hands down any opportunity that I have to support another woman in business or in life. I am going to jump all over that because I think that we are all in this together. And so there is a poem by Rupi Carr. I, and I might be butchering her last name, but the poem is, I stand on the sacrifices of a million women before me thinking, what can I do to make this mountain taller so the women after me can see farther? And I think that that, I think that those two quotes together really exemplify what drives me. Um, and I mean, I work for, I pretty much, I mean, I have worked with men in the past, but overwhelmingly the businesses that I work with are female owned businesses. And, um, the work that I do feels so much more like just a marketing project. It feels like, you know, me supporting another driven woman to help her reach her goals, provide for her family, find fulfillment, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's, that's my heart on my sleeve right there. I love that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. So where can everybody find you? Give us all the, all the places. All the places on the internet. Um, well, I would love for you guys to, if you want to connect with me personally, my Instagram handle is tailored designs and it's T-A-Y-L-R-D underscore designs. Um, that's where you'll find all of my randomness. I break all of my own social media rules. So please don't judge me there because I'm too busy creating content for my clients to create content for myself. 
So if I, if I go a few weeks without posting, you know why. No judgment. Um, but yeah, no judgment, please. <laughs> um, but with Source Co., you can find us. Our website is sourcedco.com and our Instagram handle is sourced underscore co. Um, but yeah, we've, like I said, we are like a baby business, but I have been so overwhelmed and humbled by the support of everyone that I know in this. You know, it's like one of those, again, because like I've never built my own business like I'm building this one and so it really puts you in a place where you realize um like who your support system is and so Haley like I have to thank you so much for being one of our cheerleaders because like I said we are in this together all of us ladies trying to chase our dreams and build something for ourselves we are in this together and so I am so thankful for people like you absolutely yeah I love doing it so and you guys, Taylor also has, um, if you go out to the Source Co. website, you can sign up to get 10 free images. Is that right, Taylor? Yep. Awesome. Got 10 yeah. of the prettiest freebies you've ever seen. Yes. And they are, you guys, they're amazing. So those are going to be in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out and sign up for those because I promise you'll use them everywhere because Taylor's so and <laughs> So Taylor, thank you so much for being here and, and just for sharing your knowledge on just content creation and how to make that work for everybody and just yeah. giving us a little of your insight. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I, I could talk about this stuff all day. So if anyone has any questions, you know, I'm here as a resource. So feel free to, to reach out and then we can connect offline. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you, Haley. And uh, I know I will see you on the internet sometime very soon. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter, or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.